You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens. Hosted by Rick Stevens and Michael Spinella. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Canadians Connection Podcast on Rocket Sports Radio keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Michael Spinella, and I'll be your host for the next hour. This is episode 211 of the Canadians Connection podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined in the studio by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, and the president of Rocket Sports, Mr. Rick Stevens. And Rick, how are you doing today on the first day of October? It is the first day of October, and I'm excited to be here. Uh, we've we've turned the page uh, from uh, September to October, and I've just turned to the very last page. There's a, a media kit that comes out from the Canadians about the 2022 training camp, and and we've been following along. And I've turned to the last page. We're on the last page of the tra- training camp. Uh, schedule. Um, so that means that the regular season is just around the corner. How did we get here already? It's crazy. The time just kind of flew by. I don't remember September happening. It just kind of went from August to October at this point. But <laughs> hey, you know what? Hockey's nearby. We can get that uh, regular season underway. And of course, uh, still some preseason to get through. It's going to be a bit of a crime this next week. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Lots of, um, or or maybe not so many decisions to be made, uh, as it turns out, but but, uh, lots of hockey to be played yet, and uh, still some players vying for that opening night roster. Yeah, and of course, that's probably going to be a reoccurring topic on this show. Uh, So to start things off, we'll get you all up to date on all the Habs news, all the Habs prospect news. And then in segment two, it's going to be that in-depth discussion. Uh, We're going to talk some Slavkovsky. We're going to talk about uh, who else could be on that opening night roster, if Slavkovsky at all. We're not even entirely sure yet. And of course, segment three, it's the Have Your Say segment. Our Canadians Connection question of the week. Do you agree with Kent Hughes' comments that Uri Slavkovsky's play has been underwhelming so far? Uh Uh-oh. Controversy. What's the best way for people to let us know, Rick? Uh, text us. If if you feel um, uh, that you have something to say about Yaroslavskovsky, about the, the, the Canadians roster, about anything that you've seen in, tra- in training camp, uh, there's the Rocket Sports text line. It is 5853-ROCKET. 
24 hours a day, whenever you get a thought, you can uh, reach out to us, 585-3ROCKET by text, or send us an email. you got more to say, um, write it down in an email and send it to us at info at allhabs.net. You can also follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, plus visit the website canadiansconnection.com. So there were a couple games that happened uh, between now and the last podcast on last Saturday. Uh, please make sure you check out those comprehensive post-game recaps for every Canadians game at allhabs.net. Starting things off on uh, Sunday, September the 25th, it was red versus white. Team Red comes away with a 7-2 victory. Uh, the annual Red versus White scrimmage is always a fun game. It's It was a matinee. It was an affordable price at uh, the Bell Center. Always fun to tune into that one. Lots of fun. Lots of kids. Uh, afternoon game. Everybody wants to see their favorite player. Um, some players missing, uh, including Slavkovsky. From that red-white game, which um, fans were n- not happy about, um, but uh, it, as you said, seven to two wasn't close, but still a fun contest. The Canadians have begun their eight-game preseason schedule. Uh, they have a very long preseason this year. Uh, the very next day, on September the twenty-sixth, it was New Jersey with two goals, Montreal with one. Entertaining game, but a little bit underwhelming offensively. Uh, if you fast forward to the 28th, still very underwhelming offensively. Uh, Toronto comes away with a three to nothing victory. Uh, bit of a confusing roster in that one as well. And of course, the very next day on the 29th of September, it was Winnipeg with four, Montreal with three. Um, I keep saying it. I'm a little bit uh, disappointed in the offensive game so far. While looking at it, um, the Canadians have scored four goals in their three-game um, exhibition schedule so far. Uh, three of those goals via the power play, and maybe maybe that's a good thing. Maybe you're saying, hey, um, the power play was terrible last year, so uh, this is a good thing. But it doesn't speak very well uh, for the um, for the, the five-on-five offense, and... Um, you know, I've I've seen folks say, well, well, listen, uh, the Canadians aren't aren't icing a, an NHL lineup. Well, neither neither are the other teams. Um, no teams are the. Uh, if you looked at the Toronto defense uh, the other night, um, that, that was pretty sad. And and uh, Winnipeg, uh, you know, uh, they didn't. In terms of experience, I would have to give the edge to Montreal in the Montreal Winnipeg game. Uh, and he, having said that, the first 44 minutes of the game, the Canadians had 10 shots on goal. Now, they came back and and uh, um, and made a game of it, uh, but then lost late in the game um, and, and went down to a 4-3 loss. Their third loss, um, you know, does it mean anything in the standings? No, of course not. Uh, however, um, it does mean... You know, we've we've looked at the the stats over the years, and the preseason record, um, other than in very few uh, instances, kind of predicts how you're going to do in the regular season. I'm not saying the Canadians are going to lose every game, but uh, they're expected to be at the bottom of the standings. So maybe the preseason record is indicative of that. So far, if we want to look for some positives, uh, I've liked what I've seen from Caden Gooley. I've liked what I've seen from Emil Heinemann. 
And of course, Owen Beck seems to be a very early standout. I'm very impressed with that pick. Every, um, you know, every challenge Owen Beck has has answered it. And for a very young player, for a player who uh, is almost certainly gone going back to uh, junior, he, he's been terrific. Um, and and t- tonight, uh, looking at the at the roster, he's got a he's got a bigger challenge, I think, tonight. Um, and that is that uh, he's going to be with. Uh, you, you know, uh, it's been said that that he plays a 200-foot game, that he's uh, the defensive conscience of any line he's on. Well, he's with Mike Hoffman and Jonathan Drouin tonight. So uh, that'll be a, defensively, that'll be a challenge for Owen Beck. But there he is on the top line for the game against Ottawa. And uh, that's uh, that just speaks to how well he's played in the, the preseason, uh, Philippe Machar has looked very good as well uh, up front. Uh, Emil Heineman, uh, I've I've liked a lot, um, and and uh, particularly his shot, particularly his competitiveness, um, his uh, his size that uh, he's he's not afraid to use. Um, and and then on the back end, it's for me has been uh, Caden Gooley and uh, Jordan Harris has just been. Uh, another guy who who was given a challenge, and that is to to move from the left to the right side. Um, and he's looked very good. Um, Arbushakai, I know there's uh, he's become a fan favorite. Lots of uh, conversation about him. I didn't think he he had his best game against Winnipeg. He he looked uh, he struggled in his own zone um, in that game, um, but. Yeah, has made an impression, or certainly for those who who haven't seen him before. So, uh, lots to be excited about in and and um, I, I've talked about young players, um, but let me also mention Brendan Gallagher. Uh, he said, "I want a summer to recuperate." He had that a full summer, and I know it's early, but he's looked pretty good. He's looked uh, almost back to the the the. Uh, he, he doesn't have the hands. He doesn't have the skating he once did. Uh, but he looks much better than he did last season. Yeah, much more entertaining to watch Brendan Gallagher now than last year. Last year, what, he scored one goal per million that he makes. Uh, hopefully <laughs> he can uh, do a little bit better than that. Uh, so we'll keep our eyes on it. Uh, the Canadians' record so far is 0-3-0, uh, three losses. Uh, tonight, October 1st, against Ottawa. Ottawa is also winless in the preseason, so one of these streaks will have to come to an end. Um, please make sure you check out the Habs notepad and all the Habs headlines, as posts appear regularly at allhabs.net. In roster news, uh, we have some injury updates for you. Uh, first of all, Nick Suzuki, who's had a lower body injury, and Madison Bowie, who also had a lower body injury. There's some good news there. Uh, both of these players are wearing regular jerseys at practice, so that seems promising. Yeah, it was. Um, the Both of those players back on Friday in non-contact jerseys, and then in the Saturday uh, skate, um, they were they were full participants, um, and, and that's great news. Uh, Nick Suzuki said he might be a little ahead of schedule. Uh, he also talked about what was that bizarre incident two days before training camp opened where um, he and, and Joel Edmondson were on the ice um, in a scrimmage. Um, they got tangled up and, and Joel Edmondson came down on him causing that 
causing injuries for both of them. Um, uh, but uh, and he was expe- at that time expected to be out two weeks, uh, possibly a little ahead of that um, right now. Yeah, Joel Edmondson still remains out uh, with that back injury. But uh, big news coming out of uh, Sony and the MCU: Josh Anderson will be taking on the mantle of Spider-Man. <laughs> well, not 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 actually. Uh, Josh Anderson returned to practice after recovering from a hand injury. Um, it's well, he's hinted at the fact that that hand injury could have come from a spider bite that got infected. So he missed the beginning of camp. And, uh, to be honest, I think going forward, I will be referring to him as Spider-Man. Um, we'll see. Maybe he, uh, if he has a career season, then you know what? Maybe that was a very lucky spider bite. Power horse no more. Uh, now <laughs> he has uh, transformed in, into uh, Spider-Man. Uh, yeah, his uh, in in his media availability he said he had uh, no idea what what happened. Uh, his hand just uh, sw- swelled up. Um, he, he doesn't know what he got bit by. The the trainers seem to think that it was uh, a spider bite. Uh, he had treatment of bi- antibiotics and. Um, it, it looks, he's back now with uh, the team practicing, and, and that's certainly good news. Well, that'll, uh, that'll give me some nightmares. <laughs> but uh, this morning uh, on uh, Saturday, October the 1st, uh, the Canadians have placed forward Nate Schnarr on waivers. Uh, Nate Schnarr was acquired in the Andrew Hammond deal from uh, the New Jersey Devils. Uh, in general, I think he was earmarked to probably be an AHLer again this season, so not really a surprise there. Yeah, placed on on waivers for purposes of um, for those who aren't um, uh, for those who are waiver eligible. Um, uh, this is the process of sending him to uh, Laval Rocket. So um, the the Nate Schnarr demotion or placing on waivers, and we'll find out tomorrow uh, whether he's cleared or not. Um, that will that adds to the 23 players who are cut from uh, the training camp uh, on Friday, and uh, we, we going back. It was uh, we talked about. It was a really um, large uh, training camp. 74 players um, uh, invited to training camp, and they they didn't stop there. They added another player. Uh, at the beginning of, of training camp, Daniil Sobolev, which made it 75. Um, first cuts came on Tuesday, and uh, that was Antoine Gallum, the goaltender, Jared Davidson, Cedric Gindong, uh, and Sobolev. Uh, so minus four, Riley Mercer, the other goaltender, uh, a couple days later, Friday night, or sorry, um, Thursday after the uh, Winnipeg game, it was Joshua Waugh, Riley Kidney going back to junior. Uh, then the minus three and minus uh, Nate Schnarr. Um, carry the seven. 44 players left in camp. I think I think the math is correct there. And, of course, uh, we're trying, well, the management is trying to get from 44 to 23 in the next 10 days. And we're going to, we're going to take a shot at it uh, in the uh, big topic segment. Yeah. Of the 23 player cut, uh, some of the notable names, Lucas Condotta, Gianni Fairbrother, Cam Hillis, Yan Meshack was, was a little bit of a surprise to yeah, me, me too. and uh, Joel uh, Teasdale as well. Um, with Meshack, I, I would have liked to have seen him get a little bit more of a look, but uh, I guess he'll have an opportunity to, uh, 
impress at uh, Laval Rocket Camp. Let's hope that uh, he has a big role in Laval uh, this year. He's a, he's a good player, um, a solid player. He, he played very well as captain in the World Juniors in August and uh, pretty valuable. We, we heard that he's been handing out uh, face-off tips uh, in training camp so far. Canadians signed goaltender Jake Allen to a two-year contract extension. Uh, the AAV is $3.85 million. This was something that was hinted at a couple weeks ago by the Habs. I'm not super surprised to see that uh, they did go ahead and uh, give him a contract. Seems like a bit of a big number. He gets a little bit of a raise there. And uh, I, I guess uh, what Montreal is going for is they wanted a stable veteran goaltender, maybe somebody that can help uh, mentor the new wave of players coming in. Uh, I know Jake Allen does provide a decent amount of leadership in that dressing room. So uh, I'm not to, I have no complaints about keeping him around. Although I will say that uh, it's a little bit of a surprise to me that they wouldn't explore uh, some trades for him. As I know, quite a few teams out there probably could use some stability in that. Um, and, and we heard, we, we heard over the summer that there was um, uh, a number of calls about the availability of Jake Allen. Of course, the Canadians didn't go that route, not knowing what was uh, going to happen with Carey Price. Um, but uh, uh, he was he was uh, sought after as as a backup, primarily his his not not uh, uh, I think his roles uh, a role of being a starter on a on a co- competitive team on a on a playoff team uh, are are over, um, but there was a lot of interest in him, uh, possibly aided by the fact uh, that his contract was about two two point eight million. Now you add an extra million to that. Um, so, uh, for two years, uh, the, the AAV 3.85 million, um, that's, that's a bigger number and a, and, and a harder, uh, number to trade. Uh, the Canadians will now have Jake Allen for the next three years. Um, the last year of his current contract this year, and then, uh, the new contract goes to 24, 25. It's, um, I, I, I think you want to be looking at somebody filling those shoes, but um, is Jake Allen going to be a mentor? Well, um, you, you brought up that, uh, you know, is, is that what, what the Canadians are thinking? And uh, I, just a short time ago, Marty St. Louis answered that question saying, you need guys who are willing to plant trees knowing they'll never sit in the shade. So that sure, an- whatever that means, yeah, that answers that, doesn't it? Um, it's I I I think that um, you know is 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 Jake Allen worth uh, three point eight five million a, a year? Uh, you you got to look at the four million dollar goaltenders that he's in 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 that grouping with. You have uh, Carter Hart, you have Ilya Sorokin, you have Jake Edinger, you have Spencer Knight. Um, one of those things just doesn't belong. Um, you know, Jake Allen at 32 years old. Um, and um, in addition, he's the only one that, that has uh, a no trade, cl- a modified no trade clause um, in that grouping. So makes it a little bit harder to trade him. But Canadians, as I say, uh, wanted to keep him around, wanted some stability. Well, they, they have, while they, they, uh, search for that number one goaltender, whether whether that person is in the organization or outside the organization. 
Jeff Gordon announced another hiring. Um, they hired Gordy Clark. Uh, he'll be joining the Canadians in an unspecified position. Uh, Clark is a former NHL player, eight games under his belt. Uh, for a brief while in the 90s, he was an assistant coach in Boston. Uh, it's interesting that they're not specifying what position that he will be that he will be holding. Well, it, it wasn't a formal announcement, and and that's unfortunately that's the way it's kind of gone over the summer for the additions to the hockey operations uh, department. Um, Gordy Clark is just um, he he is a, an experienced guy. He's had uh, coaching experience, hockey operations experience over the last thirty five years with Boston with the New York Islanders and with the New York Rangers. Um, you know, with a lot of these hires, they're, they're, they're going out of the box for people with no experience. This is complete opposite. Gordy Clark is, is an experienced guy, and Jeff Gordon has called him uh, a mentor uh, to Jeff Gordon. So um, what, is he some sort of consultant uh, to the vice, whatever he is, he's going to be um, his his advice is going to be invaluable. Uh, you think of kind of adding a, a Rick Dudley kind of guy for for Mark Bergevin. Um, same sort of thing here. And and uh, I, again, we don't know what what the position is, um, but I think it's a, a good addition. And and I should just say. Um, if you go to the Canadians website or if you look on the, the press releases about the new additions, um, there's nothing for, we know that Billy Ryan has been hired to scout the U S and as director of player evaluation, there's nothing in hockey ops about Billy Ryan, Scott Pellerin. Um, he's supposed to be a consultant to the develop, development part, uh, department. Uh, Scott Pellerin was even in one of the press conferences, um, this week, there's been no announcement or no posting on, um, on the website about him. Uh, Albie O'Connell, um, as an amateur scout, we, he's been hired, but there's nothing formal about him. Gordy Clark, Nick Carrier, uh, has been, uh, has been a scout. He's been moved to development again. He was in the press conference. We don't, we don't know. Uh, <laughs> there's nothing on the website, with his title being changed or moved to, to uh, development. So very odd. Uh, it's not typically how things are done, um, but um, hopefully uh, they'll be added and we'll find out very soon. But until then, we're on a bit of a, a hockey ops watch here. Yeah, and we'll uh, keep you up to date. The moment something ends up on that website, we will make sure that we include it on this podcast just to keep everyone up to date on that. Kind of like the Sean Burke watch that we had <laughs> earlier in the summer. And in the opposite way, when was Sean Burke going to be removed uh, from his, uh, his role? So now is a good time to take our Habs hockey report. This edition of the Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report. Your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. So big news for our uh, prospect report. The Laval Rocket training camp will open on Sunday with uh, 23 players. Uh, Some uh, players you might recognize like Peter Abandonado, uh, Gabriel Bork, uh, Danik Martel, some new names in there as well, uh, like Emil Poirier, Brett Stately, uh, Joel Verbatic. So we will make sure that we keep everyone up to date on that, and uh, we'll uh, 
continue to have our uh, Habs prospect report throughout the Laval Rocket season. So 23 plus let's let's uh, let's count Nate Schnarr in there is 24 to start. They start with medicals on Sunday. Haven't they already had medicals with the Canadians? <laughs> um, Monday is when uh, practice group red and group white start. Uh, Wednesday is, if you're keeping track, is the first time that they will scrimmage. Uh, they'll have two scrimmages on Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, Saturday, um, next Saturday, a week from today, uh, the Laval Rocket will bus to Belleville. Um, and are you thinking they're going to play the uh, Belleville Senators on Saturday night? No. Uh, I thought so. Yeah, I thought so too. No, they'll be playing the <laughs> Toronto Marlies uh, in Belleville uh, next Saturday as the first game of their um, exhibition s- schedule. They have two games on the exhibition schedule, uh, Saturday against um, uh, the Toronto Marlies in Belleville and Sunday, a Sunday afternoon game, against Belleville in Belleville. Which uh, which is nice. So, um, yeah, it, things are going to happen quickly for the Laval Rocket as well. Yeah, plenty of uh, Montreal and Toronto fans in Belleville. So I, I guess I can see the connection there, but still a little bit odd. So please uh, be sure to read all the content at ahl.report. Plus, listen to and subscribe to the Press Zone coming out every Tuesday evening. We'll uh, keep you up to date on all things Laval Rocket. So we have some interesting quotes from this week uh, to start. Uh, of course, Kent Hughes, uh, he talks about uh, what qualities he saw in uh, Martin St. Louis. Clearly, you got to have technical expertise, and Marty is a highly analytical guy. You could talk to him about hockey or, or blackjack or anything else, and you'd see the type of mind that he has. But we also wanted a leader, somebody that could command a room. He has a, He definitely has a presence. But I also wanted a guy with a certain level of emotional intelligence because I think in today's game, it's hard. You've got to treat them all as a group at one point, but at the same time, treat them differently and be able to recognize. And And uh, I always felt Marty had that uh, in him. And, and when I first called Jeff about it, he wasn't shocked. I said, you know, I think he's the right guy. Mm-hmm. And he said, geez, I just hired a rookie GM who wants to hire a Bantam coach. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, go meet with them and and let's see. And because it was an interim basis, I thought it was an easier notion for the public to accept, right? Mm -hmm. Because if we're doing on an interim basis, not like we could go hire a coach from another NHL team or a junior team or anywhere else and felt worst case scenario, we got the wrong guy. I'm wrong. And, and uh, we're going to get the first overall pick. And if we're right, we we've got a very important piece going forward. So why are, we, why are we revisiting the hiring of Marty St. Louis? Well, sometimes it takes a little while for um, this information to come out. It's, it's not the kind of, of quote you're going to make uh, right after St. Louis is hired. Uh, and it, we're, we're focusing a little uh, this week in our quotes of the week on the Hockey Operations Department, this being Kent Hughes on the, the Ray and Dregs podcast. Um, and I thought there was there was um, some very interesting information. Um, first of all, mentioning the qualities that they were looking for uh, in a in a um, head coach, and I think um, as far as what their wish list was, uh, that Marty St. Louis fits that uh, ability to to be a leader, ability to command a room, uh, emotional intelligence. 
Um, maybe not, uh, you know, a, a strategy guy or an X and X's and O's kind of guy. Uh, apparently, if you want to learn blackjack or, or blackjack tips, uh, Marty's the guy to go to as well. Um, but um, it, interesting that Kent Hughes said, uh, and then I had the task to go convince Jeff Gorton. And Gorton, uh, Jeff's reaction was, I just hired a rookie GM, um, you know, Kent Hughes had no experience, who wants to hire a bantam coach. Uh, and it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the kind of thing that we were saying. Back, back when this happened, it's exactly what we were saying. And I don't know, there's something kind of, um, uh, you know, at the time we were saying, don't the, don't the Canadians realize this? Well, yeah, they did. Uh, but decided to that it was worth it anyway, um, and and even Kent Hughes thought about um, the the public's reaction uh, to to hiring such an inexperienced person as head coach, and he said, "You heard it there." Um, I think it, it's easier for the public uh, to accept because he was hired on an interim basis. We give him a trial if we're wrong. Uh, oh well, uh, we we look for somebody new, um, but um, I I I think it was just easier to to uh, let the public uh, uh, kind of uh, get used to the personality and and knowing that he would charm the the fan base. Um, that was that was kind of in their minds as as convincing um, Canadians fans that that Marty St. Louis was was the right hire. This was. Um, this was a fascinating little interview for uh, Kent Hughes. Yeah, it sounds like they put in a lot more thought into it than I probably would have given them credit for when uh, the news initially came down. And like you said, it's interesting as well that they brought up some concerns that we also seem to have. Mm-hmm. So as things go along, I, I'd be interested to hear a little bit more and maybe uh, if uh, he does talk about uh, Martin St. Louis getting extended as the full-time head coach, uh, I'd be interesting to hear what his thoughts were going into that as well. We also got to hear from uh, Jeff Gordon. Uh, he uh, dropped some bombs as to what he thinks the team needs going forward. I think that, uh, you know, as you look at our team, I, I think it's pretty clear we could use an offensive defenseman. that could run our power play, um, you know, um, an elite kind of guy that, uh, that could eat a lot of minutes, could be a power play guy. That's, that's something we need. Um, you know, our goaltending issue, we're going to have to, someone's going to have to step to the forefront and be a guy, whether we have them internally or we have to go to the outside. We got to, you know, the best teams have the best goalies, right? Um, there's not a lot of secrets anymore there. Um, and then, you know, I, I think, you know, just adding to the depth and the toughness of our team, right? We could, we could be, as we as we get uh, as we move along, we're going to want to be a harder team to play against. Um, so, the hardest guys there are to find the, the skilled ones with with the with that grit and that toughness. You want uh, you want a blueprint for um, what the Canadians uh, are going to do over the next few years as part of the rebuild. Jeff Gorton just laid it out. He he is very transparent, refreshingly so. Um, and I thought, again, this was just fascinating. Uh, this was, again, this week. Um, this one was from uh, Chris Nyland's podcast. Uh, Jeff Gorton was a guest. Uh, what do you need? What, what are you going to be looking for over the, the next few years? Well, we need an elite defenseman. Um, 
who can run the power play in eight minutes. Um, now, it, uh, he didn't say, is, is, that per, is that player in the organization? If you look through even the prospects, I don't know that that player is in the organization. Um, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. So when you're thinking about um, uh, the 2023 draft or, and you're thinking about targeting um, players who you're going to add, uh, don't be surprised uh, when, when an elite defenseman or a player who has that potential is, uh, is discussed. A number one goaltender as well. Um, and again, whether that's someone within the organization who steps up, uh, or they have to go out and fetch one, they don't feel that they have right now, uh, a number one goaltender. Um, and then, as he said, the, the, the depth guys, uh, they're the hardest to, to, to find the ones who are skilled, uh, but, but that have toughness and grit and make your team a tougher team to play against. Um, that's that's fascinating, and we think about the Panarin incident uh, and Tom Wilson and uh, the criticism uh, that uh, that Jeff Gordon had when that all happened. Um, and so that's top of mind for him to. Um, I'm not, and 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 he's not talking about a a, a fighter, a one dimensional player. He's talking about a player with skill who can be tough. And um, I, I think that's all of this is fascinating uh, when you think ahead to, to uh, how the, the rebuild is going to unfold. Yeah, some interesting points there for sure. I like the blueprint. Uh, it's going to be all about execution at this point. Easier said than done. Uh, finding those elite puck-moving offensive defensemen, uh, although there seem to be plenty around the league, it's hard to get your hands on one of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'd likely have to look at uh, drafting one of them for sure. So uh, something to keep an eye on, and uh, I'll make a little checklist here, and I'll uh, try <laughs> to check those off as we go along. We also got to hear from uh, Director of Hockey Development, Adam Nicholas. Uh, can Hockey Sense be taught? Can Hockey Sense be taught uh that's the question for hockey sense i'm actually really blessed that covid19 happened um because i got to actually learn how the brain functions okay wait a minute that that's that's probably not a good start adam uh that's that's probably not i you know you may have your own kind of way of looking at this but um that's that's not something that people say they're happy that um, some of the main people got sick and died. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll let that one go and continue. Right. And so what happens is hockey sense is built through environment, right? So if you want to get environmental knowledge, you must train in the jungle, right? You can't be training in the zoo all the time. And so- um, you, can't, you can't be training in the zoo all the time. You must be training in the jungle. Uh, maybe you, you have a checklist there for Jeff Gordon. Maybe we should have a checklist for um, Adam Nicholas jargon here. Um, yeah. <laughs> we, we, I think we might need one. Adam, please continue. So when you see all these Instagram posts out there that, that show a lot of explicit and dialed-in drills going through apparatuses, that's really the zoo, right? And it's, it's good for some certain things, but to, to actually couple that with environmental knowledge of how you view the game 
it doesn't really bring that element because the brain works in cues and reads. And so the only way to do that is to build environments that will then allow those things to unfold so that the brain can fire recall. And then when the brain can actually understand the environment, the body starts to move free. Um, and when the body moves, then you really have, you know, a beautiful sequence, right? When the brain can understand the situation and then respond accordingly. And that's really what recall is. You have to couple environment with movement. So you don't really see us out there right now, Eric, uh, you know, working on isolation stuff right this minute, because we must first, what happens with these young players is to this point, most of them have been leveraged to win youth hockey games, junior games. That's really what they've been leveraged to do because they have some type of advantage, some achievement gap physically that allows them to have success where they're at now. But then they start getting to the next level. They have to understand what is actual hockey. So in order to teach hockey sense, you must, see, you must know what the game actually is. So we have to know what actual hockey is. Not Does what it happen in the jungle? Yeah, no, but certainly not the zoo. Don't mention the zoo. He doesn't like talking about the zoo. Okay. <laughs> um, what, what is he talking about? Um, I think that, um, you know, he, he talked about creating the, the, uh, the environment, creating um, a simulation of game action. And, and one of the examples that uh, one of the media used are, is the fact of the, um, the face-off drills have changed, that, that typically at the end of Canadians' practice, uh, the centers will go off and do uh, uh, face-off. They'll, they'll face off against each other, and one of the assistant coaches will drop the puck between them, and they do a dozen reps um, uh, before the, the end of practice. Now, Adam Nicholas has changed that because he said that um, you don't take a dozen face-offs in a row. You take a face-off, and then the play happens, and then somebody else has a shift, and then you may not get out there for another face-off, um, you know, until the third period. Um, and so there's you you walk away, you 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 do the face-off drill, one one rep, you walk away, and then you come back to it later, I guess. Later on, um, I get the merit behind that. I'm not sure that I agree with that actually being how that is well he mentions later on um that he's a big fan of malcolm gladwell and that malcolm gladwell um uh, who has nothing to do with sports by the way but but says that that for humans to learn something you need ten thousand reps well if you're dropping the puck and then going away for a while and then coming back to it um you know, are you going to get those ten thousand reps in um it, it's kind of an inefficient way i think of um of of training and you know you think of of um Sidney Crosby he's a pretty good player right yeah i'd say so yeah so um in the Nova Scotia Sports Hall of Fame there is Sidney Crosby's dry well it's not Sidney Crosby's it was his mom his mom and dad's dryer um that's all beat up because Sidney Crosby was downstairs in the basement firing pucks and they would ding off the net and hit the the dryer um, now a dryer is not to be found on the ice. A dryer's found, as I understand, in the zoo using the, the terminology. Um, but it worked out pretty well for Sid, I think. Right? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I 
honestly, like, I, I don't really understand where he's coming from with that. I would think that it's probably more valuable to get a number of reps in until you feel comfortable. And then maybe you can walk away for a bit, come back and see how it feels. But uh, doing anything sporadically like that, that's got to be pretty difficult to learn, no? But, well, maybe he's going to, let's, let's let him continue here. And so what I did is I, I have basketball friends of mine that are genius. Um, and so we went through uh, soccer, lacrosse, um, basketball and hockey as, as a whole group. We looked at that and we go, okay, these games actually are the exact same game viewed through a principal lens, right? And so when you look through principles, you're like, wow, okay, all, it is, all that's different is the domain, all, uh, between soccer and basketball and hockey, the only difference is the domain, looking through a principle, um, except there's no contact and you're not moving very fast in either those two sports. But they're all the same, I guess. M- maybe, okay. we sh- <laughs> maybe we should. Maybe he's going to explain this. Let's hear some more. Right? The domain is what is different. And so what we try to teach these players, everybody's like, oh, time and space, time and space, time and space. But what do you guys watch when, you, when, when they're talking about that? Well, they're talking about just physicality. How can I create the time and space physically versus cognitively? And so this isn't a zero-sum game where, you know, it's one player is their own entity. They actually must work together to create. And so we have to create the, the neural pathways that are thinking the same way, which is I, what I call shared cognition. Once we have shared cognition, we're on the same page. You've, you've called it that too as well when you, you've been explaining plays, shared, shared cognition, right? That's the only way I describe it. Exactly, yeah. I've heard you say that before. We now can move, move beautifully. And so that's really what you guys are watching right now. We're trying to create that shared cognition where we can get players on the same wavelengths together. And then from there, we'll start really dialing in the finite details of how to actually use their bodies to create the advantage. So that's really where you got to build hockey sense through environment first, Eric, and then you start teaching the little finite details that will work or not work uh, within the NHL game because it's a completely different game because now when these kids come into this game, they're going against men that know how to defend. They're electric at defending. They get paid a lot of money, so they haven't seen that yet. So how do you problem solve that? Where are the advantages? How do you read that? That's really where we're able to couple that with movement patterns. So Eric's going to say, okay, um, for the last three minutes, you've put a lot of words out there. My question was, can you teach hockey sense? Uh, I forgot that that was the question. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Uh, Here's here's Eric and uh, Adam's response to that. I absolutely do believe that. And a long story short there. Uh, you heard the reaction from from the media. Uh, couldn't you have just said that at the beginning? Uh, and we would have never come to that conclusion after that explanation. Can hockey sense be taught? He says simply yes. I believe that it can. Um, and and I'm not I'm, I'm not uh, I'm not challenging him on that. Uh, maybe it can. Maybe it can. Um, but my goodness, he was uh, he certainly infused a whole lot of jargon in there. Um, you know, some were calling him afterwards, some of the media were calling him the professor. Uh, there was one um, uh, uh, from the mainstream media that said, uh, Adam, you've used words that I've never heard before in that press conference. Um, 
and you know he was certainly mesmerizing the 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 group and and baffling a lot of them um and and so you you wonder um okay does 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 he have a a degree a master's in you know um in sports psychology in well no um he he was a, a, a Division III NCAA player. Um, he, he played at Elmira College in 2006 and 7, uh, Wentworth Institute of Technology the next year, and the following year in, at the University of Southern Maine did not get a degree. When asked, he said that um, he's read a lot of books, he's listened to a ton of podcasts, um, and, um, he's watched, uh, so many YouTube videos that quote, I should have a degree from the university of YouTube. Um, and actually that, that quote was cut out. The Canadians editors, um, said in the communication department said, I, I don't think that's a good idea. If we put that out there, let's, let's cut that out. But he did say I should have a degree from the university of YouTube. Um, I, you know, this is, this is kind of like, this is kind of like to give a bit of an analogy. If you had, um, if you had a physicist, like the, the worst physics student in, in his class joins a show on the food network and, and when the, when boiling water starts happening, when they're cooking and the, and the boiling water, he starts talking about the first law of thermodynamics and, and that, that, that boiling water is an isothermal process and, and you need the, the heating for the rapid vaporization and, and the, molecular, the molecular motion and, and all of that, you know, gets really excited about it. And then some, it's going to be an independent media because the mainstream guys won't ask this, but the independent media person at the back says, yeah, but uh, can you cook? Um, you know, th- this, this baffling with jargon, I, I sincerely, sincerely, Adam, I hope you don't use this jargon with the players. Um, and, and all that's important, all that matters is that he can convey a message to the players in a form that, that they can first understand it and second execute it. Because this is, it's still a results-driven business. Um, he's got to deliver this without the jargon. And he mentioned at one point that I have to use jargon to prove to you that I know what I'm talking about, um, which is a little, a little defensive, a little insecure, I, th- I think. Um, he's got a job, uh, a, a fabulous job. He probably never thought he'd ever have. Um, and, um, you know, w- what can be mentioned is his energy on the ice is unmatched. Uh, and the players certainly get excited when he's when he's running drills. Um, but this was this was uh, you talk about out of the box hires. Uh, you talk about um, you know a different kind of press conference. Adam Nicholas and and I don't mean to be you know we had a little fun at his expense, but and 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 deservedly so. Uh, I just hope he can deliver um, what he seems to be trying to promise here. And if you can't, uh, it reminds me of a saying that my dad always used to tell me growing up. Uh, if you can't dazzle them with the uh, brilliance, you baffle them with well, something else. <laughs> something <to say>. else. <laughs> so anyways, I think uh, we'll uh, go on to our uh, hockey news. Um, 
There was uh, some big news from the NHL Stanley's Awards. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens received a nomination. Uh, Best Sponsorship Activation. This is an award that recognizes a creative and or successful partnership campaign, platform, or promotion executed in conjunction with one or more club sponsors with the goal of achieving mutually beneficial brand and business objectives. I'm not entirely sure what that means, but Montreal <laughs> was nominated along with Pittsburgh, uh, Vegas Golden Knights, and uh, Pittsburgh came away the winners. Hmm. Uh, you, you, you're excited about the, the Stanley Awards every year. I'm, I'm sure, do you, you, get the, you go to the talks and you, you do the whole thing? When, when, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm considering doing a, a live reaction for next year's. That's how excited I get oh, about it. Oh, that'd be great. Love the fact that it's called the Stanley Awards as well. That's that's just incredible. Um, this is kind of fun. These, these are, of course, off-ice awards for the uh, different departments, um, the non-hockey ops departments. Um, and there's, there's six major awards uh, best game presentation. Now everybody talks about going to the Bell Center and the game presentation um, being the best in the league. Um, it's kind of, to be honest, fallen off a bit. And uh, the Vegas Golden Knights took that award. Uh, that's one that the Canadians need to focus on. I think Vegas has won it the last four years, and and they should be focused. The Canadians' uh, game staff, game day staff, should be focused on getting that back. Best marketing campaign uh, went to the New Jersey Devils. Uh, growth initiatives, um, a healthier and more vibrant community. That goes to the Los Angeles Kings. Social media count of the year, Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, I know the Canadians have one of the worst. I didn't. I wouldn't have thought that that Toronto was up there. Um, the Canadians were nominated, as you said, for the the sponsorship uh, active. How well they treat advertisers and sponsors. Well, uh, I'd like to see them how well they treat fans uh, in the in the game day presentation, and then the Flyers won the best ticketing initiative. So that's our uh, our wrap on the twenty twenty two Stanley Awards. I think going forward, we need to call these just the Stanleys. The that's Stanleys. That's what I'm yeah. gonna do. Yeah. Okay. But uh, some NHL uh, news from around the league. Uh, first and foremost, this is a familiar name for Habs fans. Jeff Petrie, he was fined $5,000 by the NHL Department of Player Safety for roughing Detroit Red Wings forward Jonathan uh, Berggren during a preseason game in Pittsburgh on Tuesday. That goon. I mean, really. Isn't this typical for Jeff Petrie? Uh, No, actually, it isn't. (laughs) And in a preseason game, he gets uh, supplementary discipline that, that, uh, that, that was both odd and newsworthy. And big news out of Nashville, uh, the Nashville Predators will play SC Bern in an exhibition game in Switzerland on Monday. So maybe a bit of a homecoming for Roman Yossi. Uh, I liked seeing uh, NHL teams go and play games over in Europe, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how uh, uh, the Nashville Pre- Predators will uh, match up against SC Bern. And I like the fact that Nashville's not playing another NHL playing uh, another NHL team. They're playing SC Burn, one of one of the local teams, um, and uh, that's that's a lot of fun for the the local fans, and and certainly gives them exposure to uh, the NHL game, and and with uh, with one of their own, uh, Roman Yossi. That's uh, that should be a lot of fun. 
And everyone's favorite team, the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, they said that they could be using Mitch Marner as a defenseman this upcoming season. So sure thing. Uh, let's uh, let's see what happens there. It's an interesting move. Uh, Marner is one of those guys that makes uh, two-digit numbers in the millions. Uh, you know what? His four comp- contributions, not nearly enough. Let's uh, see what he can do on defense. <laughs> this is bizarre. It's really odd. And and we know, we saw in the game on Wednesday, uh, the, the Leafs were playing with four defensemen. Um, uh, Kelly Yarnko played uh, a bit of defense and, and Kerfoot played defense. Um, and uh, Jordy Ben, a uh, familiar name, went out of that game early with, with an injury. So uh, we know the Leafs have a problem, but... Is that the best use of, of moving one of your top forwards um, in Mitch Mardner uh, back to defense? I'm, I'm not so sure. I'm excited to see this happen personally. And, and for the Canadians, it kind of uh, reminds us of, uh, of Mark Streit, the, the last uh, player who, who actually he went the other way from, from being defense to, to a forward um, and was kind of that rover kind of guy. Uh, he could never be harnessed as as a stay-at-home defenseman. So, um, interestingly enough, and we call this the Canadians' connection for a reason, uh, there's that connection between um, uh, Strite playing defense and forward, like uh, they, the plans for Mitch Marner. Also, Mark Strite has a connection to SC Byrne from the previous story. Um, he's the franchise owner now of SC Byrne. So see what nice. we did there? Yeah. Yeah, it's like a full circle. I like that. <laughs> and uh, before we uh, head off into our uh, first break on Canadians Connection, uh, the 50th anniversary of the 1972 Summit Series victory was celebrated this past week. Uh, if you tuned in to the radio and whatnot, uh, you got to hear all sorts of awesome stories from when that happened. Uh, truly a series that changed hockey. Uh, it really brought uh, I think hockey to an international scale and uh, Rick uh, I know that uh, you probably have some more memories about this one than I do it was it was um, I, I think as it's gone on the impact has been understood uh, a bit better yeah I was I was uh, a school kid and in the gymnasium and they they brought the TVs on carts and four TVs in the gymnasium and and um, when Canada scored when Paul Henderson scored um, uh, Students were hugging students, teachers were hugging teachers, teachers were hugging students. Um, the air raid siren behind the, the school went off. Yes, they, they, there was air raid sirens at that time. Um, and after the game, um, um, everybody got sent home. Um, my dad got sent home from, from work. Um, it, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was everybody, well, they, the ridiculous numbers, I believe 80% of Canadians at the time watched that game. Um, might have even been higher than that. Um, and, and, and the ramifications, as you said, it didn't just change Canadian hockey. It changed hockey, period, in the world. It had political impacts. It, it, it had a huge um, change on, on the way uh, training was done on, 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 it, it opened up hockey completely. Um, certainly, uh, one of the most important events in, in hockey history. And it was really nice seeing it recognized. And we've been talking about it as all the weeks ahead of, uh, of, uh, before the, the, the 28th, which was uh, game eight, the 50th anniversary. 
Um, and on Wednesday night uh, at the Scotiabank, the Montreal-Toronto game, seeing on the blue line uh, all the players wearing the Team Canada, that familiar fl- uh, um, uh, flag uh, that that uh, those jerseys look like, and, and even guys like Philippe Machar and, and Yuri Slavkovsky wearing those, those jerseys. It was... Uh, and and then the introduction of of uh, the players who were there, the heroes uh, who made it happen, um, marvelous. And um, and and yes, should Paul Henderson? I'm not even I'm not even back. At, Paul Henderson is long overdue for being in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Absolutely, no question, no debate. Um, that needs to happen right away. Yeah, absolutely agree. And uh, it, w- it was an amazing uh, celebration. Uh, glad I got to see part of that. So coming up, uh, we'll hear a brand new message from our sponsors at DraftKings. And then it's our big topic segment. Stay with us. This is the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings' stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. With payouts bigger than ever, why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day, all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Michael Spinella, and you can find me on Twitter at the Spinella. With me in the studio is our president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can give him a follow at All Habs on Twitter. You can also follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Plus, visit our website, CanadiansConnection.com. Just a reminder to subscribe to the Canadians Connection podcast in the player on your favorite podcasting apps. And uh, to start this segment off, I'm going to say... Yuri Slavkovsky. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe a few weeks ago that would have gotten everyone really, really revved up and excited. But uh, now you might have some feelings of concern. Uh, it's a little bit early in uh, the preseason in uh, into camp here, but uh, it's uh, become pretty known that there's a little bit of concern about uh, the first overall pick, Yuri Slavkovsky. Uh, the 18-year-old is yet to score in a Canadian's jersey. Uh, which includes two prospect games, uh, the red versus white game, two exhibition games. So far in uh, the two preseason preseason games he's gotten into, he's scored only one point. At times you see his skill set, you you can see his playmaking ability, but uh, he's been a little bit unnoticeable. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, and, um, 
we, we see where he has um, excelled. I, I think he was, uh, although he didn't, um, he didn't score in the prospects challenge, uh, where it was, uh, you know, in Buffalo, a game of rookies. Um, he was at times in the offensive zone. Um, he exerted his his size, and and uh, and we remember that that assist uh, on Philippe Machar's goal, which was a beauty. Um, and, but uh, then the red white game. Okay, well maybe maybe uh, you know you the players aren't go- going full out. Oh well, sorry. Um, um, what am I saying? Red white game. He didn't play in that game. Um, and uh, but then there's been uh, uh, two exhibition games uh, since. And and it's not that um, he hasn't scored. Um, it's not it's not about we're not evaluating him, or I don't think people are evaluating him on his lack of goal scoring. It's his lack of engagement, um, and he has looked good at times in the offensive zone. But otherwise, um, you know, folks have talked about him coasting and and um, really not being engaged in the play, and. And and that's concerning. That's that's a little concerning, uh, especially now that the play has turned to uh, uh, play play with NHLers, and and it seems that Joris Levkovsky, uh played well uh, when it was against players who were maybe not the same side when things were easy for him. But since things have gotten a little bit tougher. Uh, as you correctly said, he has uh, he's disappeared, or um, he's just um, he, he's he's not made the impact that uh, that many were expecting. Yeah, I wasn't expecting him to come in and be an absolute game breaker right away. But it is interesting that you know you get through half the game and then you realize, oh yeah, there he is. I, I didn't even realize he was playing, and. Part of why I find this pretty interesting is because when you look back at a lot of the scouting reports before uh, Slavkovsky was drafted, you would think that he was probably the most NHL ready, especially in terms of uh, the size of his body and uh, his skill set and whatnot. But uh, so far, I I don't think we've really seen it. And that seems to be causing a lot of concern, uh, particularly for Ken Hughes. One of the things that we heard from Nick Bobrov and others, uh, Marty LaPointe, uh, and they kept preaching it. They kept stressing it. Slavkovsky, quote, has played against men, and that that weighed heavily uh, on their draft decision. And 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 when we bring this up about the draft, we're not relitigating the whole um, Shane Shane Wright, Logan Cooley, yours. We're not. Um, it's just um, kind of adding a check to to what was said, and it, it was said that that he's played against men and he's played on big stages uh, so that it shouldn't be the the pressure um, because it was one of the reasons that they talked about um, him being able to handle um, the big stage, the, 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 uh, the expectations uh, of a Montreal audience. And, and, and listen, it isn't just fans. It's, it's not just fans who are concerned uh, or talking about um, his play, um, as you said, Kent Hughes as well had something to say about it. We'll see how he progresses. I thought, you know, his two exhibition games were a little underwhelming for him, but he, you know, the two rookie games in in Buffalo, he was great. The two scrimmages here uh, with our team, I think he led our all players in, in scoring chances by, you know, by a pretty decent margin. So he's been very good. 
in parts. Mm -hmm. There's been a little, obviously, inconsistency in terms of how it translates to the exhibition games. But we got to be, we got to do what's right for him. And if we do, and we said when we drafted him, we weren't, we weren't looking for the best 18-year-old. We were looking for the best NHL player down the road. Uh, and I don't think we do that without making the right decision for him. And whether it's the popular decision or not, we're going to do what we believe is right. So he was asked, Ken Hughes was asked, and this again goes back to the Randregs podcast. Um, and, and you know, the headline across uh, uh, the media and Twitter and social media has been underwhelming. That's the phrase. But you heard we played the whole clip, the entire context. Uh, Kent Hughes said, yes, he was good um, in the rookie tournament. He didn't score, but he was he was good there. He was good in the scrimmages. Um, uh, the inter-squad scrimmages has been underwhelming um, and has been un- inconsistent. Um, why is he saying this? Why Why is Kent Hughes... Kent Hughes uh, was an agent and used the media very effectively. Uh, so why wouldn't he just go to Uri and say, listen, um, uh, it, it's not about goal scoring, but we need to see more effort out of you. We need to see more consistent effort, more consistent engagement on the ice in all three zones of the ice. Uh, why wouldn't Why wouldn't that happen? I think that has happened. I think Marty St. Louis has delivered that message. What What is happening here? I think that um, what we have is that that it's it's almost a a rite of passage. It, it, with very, very, very few exceptions, the first overall pick um, going back years has typically played in the NHL the following year. It, it just, that's, that's the way it, it, it has been. Um, and I think that Hughes is preparing the media, he's preparing the fan base um, for something different. Because if if it, all the expectation was to Yuri Slavkovsky making the opening night lineup and then and then didn't, uh, then all the questions would be about uh, relitigating that pick. And, sh- and, and heaven forbid Shane Wright makes the opening light, night lineup of, of Seattle, um, you know, then the bomb goes off. So I think, I think that, that Kent Hughes... This is a smart move, in my opinion. Um, he's prepping the fan base and the media so that the oh the the bust uh, talks uh, don't don't start when, when and if uh, the Canadians uh, send him to Laval to begin the season. Is it fair to really publicly call out an eighteen-year-old for being a little bit underwhelming in some exhibition games? I felt like that might be a little bit unfair on their part. But is it possible that this is something that they're using to maybe light a fire underneath Slavkovsky to maybe get him going a little bit and impress? Oh, I, I sure that can ha- that can be the the secondary effect. Absolutely. Um, does Slavkovsky want to see this? No, no. He's been enjoying uh, since the draft in Montreal. He's been enjoying celebrity status wherever he goes, and we saw him. Um, at the soccer game, we saw him here. We saw him there. He's been adored, and and yes, there was uh, whatever it was. Seventy five percent of of Canadians fans wanted Shane Wright, and and yes, there was some disappointment um, when the the initially when the the announcement was made by fans in the Bell Center. Uh, but I think that's all kind of gone away. I think that that 
Canadians fans have thoroughly embraced Yuri um, uh, Slavkovsky, and and he has had this celebrity status wherever he he goes, and maybe it's it's um, and, and he's he's had that before he's done anything before he's he's earned it, and maybe this is just uh, Ken Hughes's way of of knocking him down a notch, and 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 that's not a bad thing, particularly if he has the kind of uh, strong uh, mental focus that he's he's said to to have. Uh, but I think I think this is more the primary effect is uh, just preparing uh, fans in, in, just in case um, he doesn't um, make an impact in the remaining. And and yeah, we have to, we need to say that as well. Lots of exhibition games yet to play, and he could um, get the message and turn things around and be in the opening night lineup. Yeah, I personally. I know that a lot of people have very high expectations for that first overall pick in their first season, but you look at uh, what happened with Owen Power going back to the NCAA after being a first overall pick, taking the time to develop and then coming into this season, and he looks very, very prepared for it. I'm not against not having Slavkovsky in that opening night roster. I don't think it would necessarily be a bad thing to send him to the AHL to maybe get used to the North American style of game a little bit more, get used to the smaller ice. But I still think that it could be a bit of a PR nightmare if Slavkovsky is not on that uh, opening night roster. And I'm not sure that uh, fans will necessarily like it, regardless of how uh, Kent Hughes plays it out early on. Yeah, I think he's just trying to divide up that 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 reaction, you know, have a little bit of it now and a little bit of it later rather than one big explosion uh, prior to the opening of the season. And and um, Owen Power is an interesting case, and he is one of the exceptions uh, that I mentioned earlier uh, in that he he was one of the exceptions being chosen first and then not playing uh, in the NHL that fall. And and part of that, um, it was uh, it was. Uh, uh, explained by the organization, it it there were ramific- COVID ramifications and all of that. Um, different in a COVID year, maybe. Uh, but you're right that that he looks um, he looks very good and and uh, and even skipped the the rookie camp. The Sabers didn't feel he needed uh, to be there. Um, so, but for Slavkovsky, um, I think that one we should say too that being a European player at the AHL is. A possibility. Um, I know we heard Craig Button saying send him send him to Finland. Um, I don't I don't think that's on the table. I really don't. Um, they want him around. They want him adjusting to Montreal life. They want him adjusting, as you said, to the NHL ice, and they want the ability to um, you know to 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 have their whole development staff, uh, which is considerable now. Uh, to have an effect on him in addition, uh, if he goes to the AHL, in addition to the coaching staff. So um, I think it's the AHL or NHL. Uh, we'll know soon. And um, I think that uh, Kent Hughes is just kind of covering his bases here and, and uh, trying to take some of, the, some of the bite out of the explosion that might come later. So talking about uh, Montreal Canadiens opening night roster, uh, we mentioned in the first segment that the Canadians have cut a bunch of players from uh, their preseason camp uh, with just over a week to go. Uh, who do you think will make that Montreal Canadiens opening night roster? Um, 
I know beforehand we took a little bit of time to prep uh, which uh, younger players we felt could be on that roster. And uh, what what do you think about this, Rick? Well, um, I I think that, you know, for a a team who is uh, promoting youth, promoting development, um, unfortunately, um, there's there's very few spots, um, more so on defense than forward. At at forward, there there are very few spots, um, and that's that's something we know that that Ken Hughes wanted to do over the off season um, is both create spots for younger players um, and uh, to improve his cap flexibility, and he wasn't able to get that done. Um, so the roster is, is, is pretty full and, and, and not, um, not there for, um, uh, for the younger players. Uh, uh, the obstacles haven't been removed, uh, obstacles. What am I talking about? The, Mike Hoffman, who we know is, is not necessarily uh, a piece going forward that, um, that is, is part of this, this whole rebuild process, um, you know, Jonathan Drouin, uh, coming on, a uh, uh, the last season of his, his contract and a contract that, that he hasn't come close to fulfilling. Um, Jonathan Drouin first game of the preseason will be Saturday night against Ottawa. And, uh, leading up to that, Jonathan Drouin said, uh, talked about his goal for the season, um, uh, his objectives for the season. Did it have to do with goals? Did it have to do with points? Nope, Jonathan Drew and said, "I want to play 82 games," which he hasn't come close to the last three seasons. Um, so he's there. Uh, Rem Pitlick is is there. Uh, Dadanoff, a, a, a player who was taken back in in Shea Weber's contract. All those players are and and uh, many fans not happy with uh, with Joel Armia or Joel Armia being there um, and taking up a spot. Um, it, Michael Pozzetta, um, you know, the, giving him a one-way contract, unlikely he'll be sent to to Lavelle. So there's 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 a lot of obstacles for um, the younger players to 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 overcome. So they have to be, uh, you know, head and shoulders above uh, everybody else. And and who have we liked in in preseason? We talked about uh, Owen Beck, but he's going back to Mississauga. Um, we talked about Emil Heineman. Um, like to see him in the lineup. Is he going to be able to get a spot? Is Yuri Slavkovsky going to be able to get a spot? Uh, um, Ulinen, uh, yes, Ulinen, um, played very well, has that NHL uh, look to him, um, played very well in Laval last year. Uh, is there a spot for him? I don't have, I don't know about your line, I don't have uh, any of those three young players in my in my projected lineup yeah that's a i i do kind of have one spot open and i left it between two players uh obviously numbers wise this is very difficult and you have to consider too you know you have a sean monahan who's on our ir still if he comes back is there even you know that's going to make things even more complicated in terms of space so you, you hope that maybe a kent hughes can move someone out before uh, the start of the season. Maybe somebody ends up on waivers that we don't expect. I'm not sure. But to me, uh, unfortunately, I, it, it comes down to one of Slavkovsky or Heinemann for a, a top left wing spot. Uh, I think that if Slavkovsky steps up and uh, shows 
that he deserves to be in the NHL, that he'll definitely take that for sure. If not, I wouldn't be super surprised if maybe they let uh, Emil Heinemann have a, a crack at the NHL. Maybe uh, not even on a long-term basis, but I wouldn't be too surprised if they tried to reward a young player like that for uh, putting in a lot of effort and uh, just looking like a solid guy overall. Uh, fortunately with Ulanen, uh, as much as I like the player, as much as I think that he could step into the NHL this year, like you kept saying, uh, with the numbers, that just makes things even more complicated. And I just don't think that there's going to be space for him unless there are a bunch more injuries that happen between now and then. So with um, with Heinemann, who is he? Are, are you assuming then that Monaghan isn't back? Yeah, I would be assuming that Monaghan isn't back by then. And I, I, I guess as well, I'd be assuming that Pizzetta probably doesn't end up in that opening night roster as well. Um, that's the only, that's really the only way I can see it fitting. And Mike Hoffman is, is another guy that you mentioned that I think could potentially be moved at some point. I don't know if it would happen and who knows, maybe they end up making him a healthy scratch if they just don't see the fit there. Yeah. Although we still got to get down to um, uh, the 23 man roster. And on my roster, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, um, 12, 13, 14 forwards. Um, and uh, we have to remember that, um, yes, Paul Byron is, um, l- l- well, let's say he's not going to be ready for, he'll be on IR. He won't be ready to start uh, the season. Uh, Sean Monahan um, is practicing. Um, and um, on Friday, he practiced between Jonathan Duran and, and Yola Armia. Um, will he be back right at on the first night or not? We, we're, we're unsure. Um, but I'm... I'm tentatively including him. So my trios look like uh, Suzuki uh, centering Caulfield and Anderson. Uh, Dvorak, Gallagher, and Dadanoff have been together in uh, the preseason for the most part. That's my second trio. Uh, Doc between uh, Pitlick and Hoffman. And uh, yes, I, I, I would have liked to see Hoffman uh, moved, but trades at this time of year, maybe, maybe in early September, maybe in August, trades at this time of of year are rare, um, but mm. we'll, we'll see if that happens. Uh, the last trio I have Monahan, Armia, and Duran, uh, with uh, Jake Evans and and Michael Pizzetta being uh, the extras. Uh, so that would mean in my in my roster, uh, Slavkovsky, Heineman, um, Yessa Ulinen would all be headed to Laval. That that's how the forwards play out for me. Yeah, that's that's more than fair enough. I, I completely understand where that ends up being a very difficult thing to do. Um, right now, I, I I kind of agree with your uh, Suzuki uh, Gallagher Anderson combination. I'm kind of thinking that uh, a Dadnov Dvorak Hoffman thing could happen, depending on where Hoffman ends up. I still think that there's a chance that he's just not on that roster for opening night. Uh, I also have. Uh, a Doc Armia Pitlick line that I think is kind of a fun one. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I have an Evans, one of Slavkovsky or uh, Heinemann. And I also have a Cole Caulfield on that line just because I wasn't sure <laughs> where else I could fit to that within my lineup. 
So that's our, um, we have 14 forwards. Uh, I have seven defensemen. Um, why don't you take the lead when it comes to looking at the defense pairings? Yeah, so I think first and foremost, you got to go with the Savard and Gouli. I think that's pretty well just going to be set in stone at this point. Uh, we've liked what we've seen from Gouli. I think those two make a good pairing, and uh, especially when you consider that uh, they've been able to help each other out quite a bit. Uh, I'm thinking maybe a Michael Matheson alongside a Jordan Harris, potentially, depending on which sides they uh, decide to, that they want to play on. And then uh, Baron and Weidman is one that uh, I went with as well. Uh, I left Schooneman off there. Uh, I know that uh, Joel Edmondson, he's still injured, so I'm assuming that that's going to play into this as well. Uh, I know he's expected to be back sooner rather than later, but I still kept him off there just in case. Uh, if an Edmondson does come back, I'm thinking that he probably ends up uh, taking a Harris's spot. Uh, I think Harris ends up being the odd one out. I, I think they probably would want to keep a Baron up over Harris. And uh, yeah, I think that's where I'm at on that. But uh, with defense, like you mentioned, there are more spots open for younger guys right now. And uh, depending on the Edmondson injury, it could be as many as three guys. So I'm assuming that Edmondson is back. Uh, we've heard that that he's kind of ahead of schedule and, and that it isn't as serious as last year, the, the back injury, the re-injured back injury and the collision with Nick Suzuki. But they said that, that last year. So there is, there is the possibility that, that you're right in the end that he doesn't make uh, the opening night uh, lineup. I'm going to assume that he does. Uh, Gouli and Savard. Uh, Savard has, has praised Gouli and said how much he likes playing with him. I think that is a good opening night pairing um, as the top pairing, Gouli and Savard. Um, then um, I would I have uh, Matheson, Mike Matheson, uh, and Jordan Harris playing the right side. Harris has has been really good uh, and has certainly outplayed Barron in the in the preseason so far. Um, Matheson Harris would be my second pairing. On the third pairing, uh, Edmondson and Weidman. Um, and uh, again, I'm assuming that Joel Edmondson is back. Schooneman would be the seventh defenseman. Um, if I had my druthers, uh, Schooneman wouldn't be there. But I think that they really like Schooneman in that they can toss him in anywhere. Um, and the fact that um, they don't want to necessarily put him on waivers um, because he is um, he he's not waiver exempt, so he, they would be exposing him to waivers if they sent him to uh, Laval. Um, there's still the possibility, and we talked about it last week, that uh, they add um, uh, an experienced right-handed defenseman um, and uh, and go ahead and send Harris to uh, Laval. And I'm assuming that uh, Justin Barron, who um, I think. I, I, you know, Gooley's been head and shoulders uh, above all the young defensemen. I think um, coming in uh, to uh, the camp, uh, it was kind of Justin Barron's uh, place to lose if there was a second spot for young defensemen. I, I don't think he's played as well as Harris, uh, so I would see him going to Laval. And that would also include Matthias Norlander, who has shown flashes at times, um, but I think is, is uh, down the depth chart now um and uh so uh, that's the way those seven defensemen would play out for me 
Yeah, Norlander is a guy that I think probably benefits from just staying in the AHL for the entire season unless they absolutely have to bring him up. Uh, so I'm with you right there. Uh, in terms of a Shuneman, I'm hoping they go with the who they think have has like earned the spot and who's played the best so far. I've not been overly impressed with uh, what I've seen from Shuneman so far, although last year when he did get into the NHL lineup, he looked like he could be a, a steady force on that back end. So uh, I don't know. I think that he's somebody in my mind still ends up in Laval. No, you're right about that. He hasn't played well in, in the preseason. And, and last year, um, you know, it, it was kind of he came in and, and he was steady. Um, and, but that was at a time when you know, when morale was low and, and, you know, there was lots of targets. He, he just he just stayed out of the line of fire at that point. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 I would hope that uh, he's someone that that maybe could make it through waivers and, and mentor uh, the young defenseman in uh, Laval. And uh, oddly enough, uh, I think there is some question in goal. Uh, I think we can both agree that Jake Allen, for sure, he's going to be on that mm-hmm. opening night roster. But who's going to be sitting on the bench? Um, we have two guys, Montembeau and Primo, both uh, on one-way deals. Um, who I guess it comes down to uh, Primo is waiver-exempt. Montembeau would have to go on waivers. So I personally, I think it's going to be Alan Montembeau to start the season. Uh, although there is still kind of that possibility that a Primo could still uh, remain up with the big club. Um, I personally wouldn't take that risk, but uh, what are your thoughts? No, I agree with you. And, and uh, Caden Primo hasn't earned it. Um, uh, Sam Montembeau hasn't been great, uh, but um, Caden Primo has been dreadful. Um, let's, let's be honest um, that the soft goals he's let in, uh, especially around the post twice, um, he hasn't looked good at all. And, um, and, and, and again, it's, it's, um, not being, you know, being overwhelmed by, by the big stage. He needs, we've, we've said it before. He needs to earn back that confidence, the confidence he had in the rocket, uh, the playoff run with the rocket. Um, and it, you know, not, no knock against him. Um, uh, but, um, but yeah, I, I, for two reasons, uh, I think, uh, Montembeau's been better, uh, slightly, um, and and uh, and Primo is waiver exempt, so um, maybe it's a good thing having him go down there and uh, play two thirds of the games and and dominate if he can and and earn back um, the the confidence. Yeah, uh, I I don't think that either one has necessarily been uh, great from what we've seen so far. Right. Uh, but uh, Montembeau, he's just the guy that's not waiver exempt. And I think Primo, he's still someone that uh, you need to develop a little bit more before he gets a, a longer look in the NHL. Yep. So I, I added in here a kind of a, a little bonus just uh, because I've been so impressed with an Owen Beck. I know that it's very difficult to, to fit him into the lineup with numbers. I know he's probably going back to junior regardless. But if there was any possibility, would you give Owen Beck a short-term look in the NHL just because he's looked so good? Give him a reward. Uh, still have to. I, I no. I, if numbers I, weren't an issue, yeah. Well, that's it. Uh, numbers are an issue. So um, I think that the the Canadians will send Owen Beck back to junior hockey to the OHL, and at the same time. 
uh, offer him his um, his ELC, his entry level contract, and and uh, he's been great. He's earned he's earned that, and uh, I think that would be a nice touch. And go back to Mississauga and and uh, have a great season. Improve your offensive numbers. He has things to work on. Um, and um, congratulations, hats off to a great camp um, uh, by Owen Beck. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, uh, with the Montreal Canadiens situation, uh, like I said, I want to see them go with who they think has played the best uh, to be on that opening night roster. Whether or not they're actually able to accomplish that, that's going to be probably a more difficult thing, and uh, we'll we'll have to see. We're not too far away from this happening. Uh, about another week left of preseason, uh, four games against the Ottawa Senators. That'll be uh, an interesting matchup to see uh <laughs> who gets into the lineup for those games uh, and uh, who we think uh, stands out. So uh, very excited uh, for that opening night roster. So uh, we want to hear from you. Uh, next segment is have your say. And um, we always want to hear, tag us on, on social media, reach out to us by email, send us a text, however you want to communicate with us. Tell us what your opening night Montreal Canadiens roster looks like. So now we're going to take our final break on Canadians Connection. Uh, we have a new message uh, from brand new sponsors, Raycon. Uh, you'll want to tune into that to hear what they have to say and uh, stay with us. This is the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of great 80s music on Spotify. Can you blame me? Sometimes the 80s just really sound great. It's really been fun and one reason it's been great to listen to it is because I've been using my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. Uh, Now with optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, which my ears are always really difficult to get a custom snug fit for in-ear earbuds, and uh, Raycon's got such a wide variety, it's just perfect. These earbuds are so comfortable and they will not budge, trust me. Raycon's give you eight hours of playtime and a 32 hour battery life. They're priced just right, you get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycon's everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. Some of the things that I love about it, uh, there's customizable sound profiles. So whether you're listening to something like jazz that you really want a, a pure sound, they have a setting for that. If you're listening to some, some, some dance or some, you know, pop hip-hop, that kind of thing. You want something a little bassier? Well, they have a setting for that as well. Uh, Everything is controlled through tap functions right on the earbuds, whether it's moving ahead or forward with your tracks or your volume control or what sound setting you want. There's also what they call an awareness mode uh, where you can press that and it allows some more sound from your environment to seep in so that you can still hear what's going on around you while you're listening to your favorite music or podcast or anything like that. So go to buyraycon.com slash THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. (laughs) 
Welcome back to episode 211 of the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit the website canadiansconnection.com. Feel free to text us anytime via the Rocket Sports text line 5853 Rocket. And uh, that was a, that was a fun segment too. Um, perhaps some people are going to be worried about Slavkovsky coming into this, and uh, perhaps some people are excited for that opening night roster just to see how things uh, turn out. Oh, for sure. I, I, and, and, and yes, there's, there's lots of time left. There's, um, you know, a week is a long time. Things can happen. Um, you know, unfortunately, um, we're not asking for it to happen, but injuries can happen that, that, uh, will impact the opening night ro- roster. So, um, as things stand right now, um, that's what we feel. Um, but uh, lots can change in a week, so that's why why we're going to re- be revisiting this next week uh, on the Canadians Connection podcast. And if you're interested in staying up to date with everything Montreal Canadiens, we have plenty of ways where we help you do that. First and foremost, head up head over to the All Habs Hockey Magazine at allhabs.net. On there, you will see Habs Notepad and Habs Headlines as posts appear regularly. Throughout the week, and as things happen, uh, the notepad written by Chris G uh, comes out every Monday, and he goes in-depth on pretty much all the Habs news. Uh, he also touches on Laval Rocket and the Trois-Rivières, if you're interested in keeping up to date with those as well. And if you're interested in kind of a midweek update, you'll enjoy the Habs Hockey Report on YouTube. Just search All Habs Hockey Magazine on YouTube. Uh, like and subscribe. Uh, it's hosted by Amy Johnson. Uh, this past week's episode is entitled Pause the Preseason Panic. Uh, she gets you all up to date and she always has some interesting topics to talk about. Uh, if you have any questions for her or you just like interacting uh, with the various hosts, she is always good about responding in the comments. Uh, sometimes she even reads those comments on air. So make sure you like, you leave a comment and subscribe to the Habs Hockey Report. Pause the panic. I, I like I like the title of, of that pause uh, of that uh, um, video cast that she's doing. And also, um, please make sure you subscribe to the Canadians Connection and the Press Zone podcast on your favorite uh, podcast app. Uh, every Saturday, the Canadians Connection uh, comes out with a brand new episode. Uh, we give you your full news updates, and we always have an interesting big topic segment. Uh, So please, if you enjoy what you're hearing today, hit that subscribe button and uh, make sure you don't miss a single episode. Plus, if you like prospects, if uh, you're interested in keeping up uh, with Montreal Canadiens prospects, uh, you will want to tune into the Press Zone. That comes out every Tuesday evening. Uh, That's uh, hosted by Rick and Amy. Uh, They keep you up to date with everything in regards to that. Uh, As we mentioned uh, earlier in the show, uh, it's a Val Rocket camp that starts uh, tomorrow on Sunday, October the 2nd. So they'll make sure that they have a nice update for you on that. Plus, uh, we are recruiting uh, the Rockets. If you're interested in joining the Rocket Sports team, please let us know. Uh, We've been talking to all sorts of interesting people. Uh, We've added a few new additions to our team. So if you're a writer, uh, if you're a passionate hockey fan, if you're a passionate Habs fan, we want to hear from you. Uh, Please reach out to us. Uh, What's the best way that people can reach out for that? Head to the All Habs Habs Hockey Magazine website, uh, allhabs.net, and and look for the Join Our Team tab. Uh, There's uh, an application form there that you can fill in 
and uh, you can reach out to us that way. Um, yes, been talking to some fascinating, passionate Habs fans from all over the country, and and we've added uh, we've added three new members to the Rocket Sports team. Uh, we have Adam, who's going to be a staff writer. He's working on an interesting article that you're going to want to see. Uh, Nathan is uh, going to be a community manager for us uh, on Facebook um, and uh, engaging with fans there. And Gustav uh, wrote um, an interesting article to, to, to start and has already got his second article out. Uh, and it's titled Gems from the Q, from the QMJHL. And it, it talks about... Um, you know, there's there's always the negative uh, uh, conversation about the Canadians don't have enough um, uh, prospects from the queue. Well, he takes a more positive approach and and talks about the uh, really good prospects and describes uh, who the Canadians have uh, from the queue. And and you're going to want to go to allhabs.net and look for that article. Yeah, I've been very impressed with Gustav's writing so far. So big congrats to Gustav and uh, welcome to all those brand new Rocket Sports members. Uh, looking forward to uh, working with you throughout this season. So this is our uh, Have Your Say segment. And uh, what we like to do is our Canadians Connection Question of the Week. This week, the question is, do you agree with Kent Hughes that Uri Slavkovsky's play has been underwhelming so far? Uh I think uh, we have a pretty good idea of what people are thinking about this one, right, Rick? Um, folks are all over the map, I think, at least uh, from our Facebook page. And uh, if you want to go there and join in the conversation, it's a large community, well over 50,000 uh, Habs fans uh, regularly stop in and, and read and, and, and post their comments. Um, that's facebook.com slash allhabs. And, and I think that... Uh, there's there's a variety of perspectives on Slavkowski. Um, some that that think he hasn't lived up to expectations. Others that think it's a little too soon to be uh, making any judgments or making any evaluations. Uh, so if you want to join in that conversation, uh, please do. Please head over to Facebook, and uh, and I'm 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 sure that you'll be. Uh, both fascinated and uh, and and you'll be immediately engaged because you'll be wanting to respond to some of the comments that are already up. Yeah, we like hearing everyone's uh, varying opinions, and uh, I'm looking forward to reading through some of those to seeing what people have to say. So if uh, you're a Montreal Canadiens fan, there are some important days coming up uh, between now and uh, next Saturday's podcast. Uh, first and foremost, tonight... October the 1st, it's uh, Montreal versus Ottawa, 7 p.m. Uh, make sure you tune into that. Uh, Montreal's got a number of games coming up against Ottawa, so a bit of a, rival- a, bit of a rivalry will be brewing there. Also on October the 3rd, it's Toronto versus Montreal, another uh, 7 p.m. start. Uh, Montreal lost 3-0 to Toronto last week. Let's see if uh, they have something to say about that and respond well. Then uh, the very next day on the 4th, Ottawa versus Montreal, again, 7 p.m. And, uh, well, maybe a more interesting matchup coming up on the 6th of October. It's Ottawa versus Montreal, 7 p.m. But this time it's uh, Kraft Hockeyville in the Steel Community Center in uh, Grander, Newfoundland. Yeah, way out in, in Gander. And, and we've heard a lot on the uh, Facebook page, uh, our hockey uh, uh, community in Gander, who are pretty excited about having... Uh, the Canadians and having the Senators in in uh, uh, their uh, community center uh, celebrating Craft Hockeyville, the 2020 edition, uh, and then uh, the 2021 edition is also 
uh, going to be celebrated a week from now again between those two. You're going to get used to um, and maybe tired of seeing um, Montreal-Ottawa, but with the changing lineups, uh, you're likely to see different players uh, facing off uh, each time. But Ottawa, uh, filled with uh, young prospects as well, uh, should be, and and some new additions. Um, uh, Claude Giroux should play tonight. Um, and uh, Shane Pinto and 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 the rest um, uh, should be in the lineup. So, uh, a week full of of uh, Canadians versus Ottawa, and with the Leafs thrown in as well. Yeah, looking forward to that craft uh, hockeyville game. Uh, let's see what uh, Gander Newfoundland has in store. I'm uh, hoping that there's a nice fun crowd there, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, everybody uh, is uh, going to do there for that. So that's going to be a wrap for us today. Uh, Thank you all for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the Canadians Connection podcast on your favorite podcasting app. If you haven't already, you can also share on social media if you would like. Enjoy your week. We'll be here next Saturday, October the 8th for another great episode. Thank you all for listening to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.